0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to us by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related, from interviews to top ten lists, reviews, editorials, whatever you want, they have it. Go check it out right now while you're listening to this episode. They also have a huge library of podcasts that you can listen to as well, besides this one. So if you're in the mood for some spooky horror movie talk, well, go check out the library. Now, as of recording this, it is the week of the presidential election. And does that have any bearing on this episode whatsoever? No. But it is interesting, and I've had it glued to my screen since Tuesday... And we still do not have a result. Now, it means no difference to me, really. I'm Canadian, so this is just kind of fun in a weird, sadistic sort of way. It's kind of like watching a car fire. You can't look away. You know you should. You see people screaming inside. But there's something about it, some sort of allure that just draws you in. And that's what's going on right now. I just wanted to bring that up to show that I am... Up on the current events of the world. Not that it really matters at all to anybody listening, but I just thought I'd mention it because it is kind of scary. The uncertainty. The what-ifs. You don't know who your next president is going to be if you are an American listener. And it can be scary if your candidate does not win, and that goes for either side. A lot of people are afraid of Donald Trump winning a second term. And rightfully so, the way he handled the coronavirus and his various comments over the years that uh were less than savory but if you're a trump supporter i don't think anything is scarier than seeing a blue map on election day then of course there's the people in the middle who are just kind of going along with the ride and hoping for the best no matter the outcome so to all my american friends i wish you the best of luck and please don't set the world on fire if you don't get your way but on to today's episode we are talking about something I've never really looked into, surprisingly enough, and that is ancient aliens. Yes, we all know the meme of the guy with the hair and the hands from the History Channel. I can't recall his name at the moment, and I don't believe I want to look it up. Regardless, they do have an interesting place in our history. After all, there are many artifacts from Egypt and the Mayans that depict, well, oddities. The hieroglyphs that show a being seemingly coming from the light in the sky. Or worshippers at the feet of a UFO. Some of them have been explained, and others still remain a mystery. Like the one we're going to look at today. The Astronaut of Kessar. Amidus. Amidus. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now, I do want to start with an apology before we get into this. There are going to be some names in here that I am going to butcher. Foreign languages are not my strong suit, especially Spanish ones for some reason. So bear with me as I struggle through reading this script, this list, this article, all of the above. As most of this information will come from ancientorigins.net. It's a very fantastic site. I suggest checking it out. And they recently released an article featuring the astronaut of Kassar. And, well, explaining why it still remains a mystery to this day. Goes as such. Some artifacts seem to be easy to misunderstand, or are not well understood at all. And this leads to wild theories. One of the biggest curiosities on display at the Cáceres Museum in Cáceres, you're just hoping I say that right, Spain is a stele, or an upright stone slab, that originally stood at the southern end of the cemetery in the nearby village of Casar. The carvings on the stele appear to be a human figure, with a misshapen head and bulbous shoulders. It has been dubbed by some the Astronaut of Kassar. The Stele has an inscription which is in Latin letters, but so far no one has managed to decipher the text. This has led to a great deal of speculation regarding the nature of this carving. Some fringe theorists have even gone as far as to suggest that this is an image of an extraterrestrial, hence the name the astronaut of Kassar. But archaeological and linguistical analysis of the astronaut of Kassar stele shows that the unusual features of the stele can be explained with the knowledge that the scholars have of the cultures and the language of ancient Iberia. Within this explanation, visitations from extraterrestrials are not necessary. Nonetheless, the astronaut of Kassar Artifact does highlight ways that the science of archaeology may one day be able to contribute to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. The astronaut of Casar Steely was originally located in the cemetery of Kassar, a village outside of the city of Cáceres, Spain. The image appears to have generated a lot of local suspicion and superstition, It's alleged that villagers would cross themselves as they walked by the stele and that children would throw rocks at it. Kind of conflicting superstitions there, but hey, whatever. The figure in the stele does look strange though. His head is misshapen and appears slightly too large. His shoulders also appear to bulge out. Although the carving is weathered, the figure looks like he might just be smiling, though it could just be erosion. The image has been suggested to be that of a Celtiberian warrior made in the second or first century BC. The inscription in Latin letters suggests that it was written during Roman times or just before the Roman occupation of Iberia. Most mysterious of all is the inscription on the astronaut of the Cassar Stele. Although the inscription is in the Latin script, it appears to be written in an unknown language. The language, however, is not completely mysterious since it is likely an Indo-European language. Nonetheless, scholars have not been able to translate it, and some even say that it will never be translated. At the beginning of the Roman period in Spain, several languages were spoken on the Iberian Peninsula, including Celtiberian, Lewistinian, Tartessian, Proto-Basque, Latin, and probably Greek and Punic. Of these languages, Celtiberian, Lewistinian, Tartessian, and Proto-Basque were native to the Iberian Peninsula, where the others were introduced by foreign cultures. Although the astronaut of Kassar-Stele inscription seems mysterious, it could have been written in one of the lesser-known native Iberian languages. The understanding of many is that the Iberian languages is fragmentary, and only a handful of inscriptions or documents have been found for some of these languages. This makes it probable that the inscription uses words from Iberian languages that have not been found in other inscriptions. The fact that it appears to be an Indo-European language may also help to identify the language. One way to identify it is to examine each of the Iberian languages and determine which one is most likely the dialect used in the inscription on the stele. The original ancient Basque language was already being spoken in northern Spain in Roman times. The Basque language is unique among Western European languages in that it is non-Indo-European. Ancient Basque is a language isolate, and its language family is unknown. This has led to speculation about the origins of the Basque people, including the idea that they descended from Paleolithic hunter-gatherers, although current evidence suggests that they are more closely related to early Neolithic farmers. The Basque language is agglutinative meaning that phrases are constructed from root words using prefixes and suffixes. The Basque language also follows the SOV, or Subject, Object, Verb, word order, in contrast to languages such as English that have Subject, Verb, Object. Other languages that are SOV, like Basque, include Japanese and Turkish. It's bring me back to my linguistic days. That was a long time ago, but I remembered studying that. Not Basque so much, that's a very strange language, but uh, the language structure, if you could say, or the sentence structure or phrase structure. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. It's a different podcast. This is about some ancient aliens. Let's get back to it. The ancient Basque language influenced the development of Castilian Spanish. Certain features of the Spanish language, such as the lack of consonant clusters, are features that come from the Basque language. Furthermore, certain Spanish words such as Arrayo and isquidera are Basque in origin. Again, I deeply apologize for butchering the Spanish language. Although the Basque language, or at least a Proto-Basque language, existed during the time the astronaut of Casar Steely was made, it was largely restricted to northern Spain. However, the Stele was found in southwestern Spain near a modern Portugal border. Also, the inscription appears to be Indo-European, suggesting that the language is more likely a Celtic or Romance language, the two Indo-European language groups that were the most prevalent in the Iberian Peninsula at the time. All these facts suggest Basque may not be the best way to figure out the inscription on the astronaut of Cassar Stele. Well, what about Celtiberian? Celtiberian was spoken on the Iberian Peninsula about the 1st century BC. Celtiberian is a Celtic language that is related to the Gaelic languages of Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. This is interesting because the Irish Book of Invasions claims that the Irish descended from the Milesians who were supposed to have come from Iberia. The Celtiberians are described by Roman writers as having been a mixture of Celtic and native Iberian stock. They may have been related to the Hallstatt culture, a Celtic culture known across Europe, which first entered the Iberian Peninsula around 600 BC. About 200 Celtiberian inscriptions have been found. Considering the possible origin of the Celtiberians as a mix of Celtic and Iberian population, the Celtiberian language may have ion words from early non-Indo-European Iberian languages. The Celtiberians also used their own script, which was similar to other Iberian scripts. It is possible that the inscription on the stele is in Celtiberian, but the Celtiberian language is relatively well known and would have more than likely been recognized. Also, the Celtiberians lived to the northeast of the region in which the stele was found. This makes it less likely that the inscription was indeed Celtiberian. Of course, we could talk about the linguistics and the languages involved with this phenomena all day, but let's just get to the fun part. The fact of the matter is we don't know what the inscription says, and there's a good chance that we may never know. It's too obscure, and nobody's been able to translate it in a thousand years. It's very unlikely that it will ever be translated, but let's get to the good part. As I said, Was the man of the Kassar an ancient astronaut? Were the people of the region visited by an extraterrestrial, an alien? And did they leave their mark in the form of this stele? There has indeed been much speculation among fringe theorists that the man depicted on the Kassar stele is not human. This is mainly due to the unusual shaped head and bulging shoulders of the figure that make it look like it's wearing a spacesuit. The oddly shaped head bears a passing resemblance to the big headed aliens of popular science fiction and UFO lore. Although this is an interesting idea, all the evidence surrounding the steely can be explained by conventional means. So it's maybe not as exciting as we had been hoping. The inscription is an unknown language but it is most likely Indo-European, as we just discussed. Also, this stele appears to be extremely weathered, so the misshapen appearance of the head could be due to time and weathering. Moreover, it could be that he is wearing a helmet, or it could be a hairstyle. Also, besides the passing resemblance to modern depictions of extraterrestrials or aliens or astronauts, there is nothing unusual or otherworldly about the man on the stele. It looks like it was carved out of stone by human tools, and it fits into the archaeological and historical context of the time. Basically, if you want to see an alien, you will see an alien. It doesn't mean that an alien exists, but it also doesn't mean an alien doesn't exist within this steely. Another theory for this not being an alien is that it looks too human. Out of the endless possibilities of the universe... What are the chances that an extraterrestrial would look like one of us? Well, it depends on what side of the camp you're on. Some believe that extraterrestrials would evolve to adapt to the planet from which they came. So, let's say Jupiter has aliens on it. For all we know, it doesn't. But just in theory, if it allowed for life, what would the aliens look like? Well, it's theorized, and I saw this in a documentary many, many years ago, that they would be like floating elephants, so to speak. Something to absorb the atmosphere, be able to feed on whatever they could in said atmosphere, and considering Jupiter is a gaseous giant, they would have to be able to float. So it's kind of funny to think about, but that is one theory of alien evolution. The other is, if there are aliens, which we can assume there are because of the endless planets in the universe, And if we go by biology and physics and life and evolution as we know it, then there's a good chance that these aliens would have evolved on a planet very similar to ours. Something that could sustain a carbon-based life form. And in such, the inhabitants of said planet would look very similar to how we do. We evolved to adapt to our planet. If there's another planet out there very similar to Earth that has life on it, Why wouldn't they evolve to look as we do? Of course, we can't predict other atmospheres. We can't assume what life on another planet would look like without actually experiencing it. But again, if we go by the laws we know of in terms of evolution, biology, and just physiological adaptability in general, then it can be assumed that aliens would be bipedal, humanoid-looking creatures. That's just my opinion on that anyway. But what does this case, the astronaut of Kassar, what does this imply for extraterrestrial life and the search involved in such an endeavor? Most claims that particular archaeological discoveries reveal past visitations by life from another planet have eventually been disproven, or at least found to be unconvincing. Nonetheless, this does not mean that there's no place for archaeology in the search for evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence on planet Earth. The vast majority of organisms that have evolved over the course of Earth's history have gone extinct. This is likely the same rule that applies on other planets where life and civilization have evolved. For this reason, we will probably find an extinct extraterrestrial civilization before we find a living one. Therefore, it makes sense to use archaeological methods to search for extraterrestrial intelligence. One way to conduct exoarchaeology would be to look at nearby stars for signs of megastructures, such as Dyson spheres. This would use the tools of astrophysics and would not be significantly different from the traditional SETI research approaches, which focus on extrasolar and extraterrestrial intelligence. Another approach that could be considered exoarchaeology would be to use the remote sensing tools of planetary science, to survey planetary surfaces, such as the Moon and Mars. It is unlikely that anything would be found from such a survey, but the discovery that another technological civilization existed in our solar system would be extraordinary. So, a low-cost search of high-resolution images from spacecraft that have visited the Moon and Mars would seem like a good start. Finding extraterrestrial intelligence, however, requires critical thinking and careful analysis of the evidence. Such claims as the Astronaut of Kassar can be easily explained without any extraterrestrials. A true archaeological discovery of intelligent life outside of Earth would be one which was unmistakably non-Earthly in origin, such as the discovery of an artifact or structures made of materials that did not exist anywhere on Earth or in our solar system. In the end, this Steely probably is not alien in origin, but the mystery surrounding it is still fascinating. Being unable to decipher languages or written text from a civilization which we have remnants of is very peculiar. People have been able to decipher and translate from much less. So that is a curiosity, if nothing else. Doesn't it mean it's extraterrestrial in nature. Absolutely not doesn't mean somebody saw an alien or what they perceived to be an alien maybe that's the fun thing about ufos and extraterrestrials we just don't know we could have been visited tens of thousands of years ago hundreds of thousands of years ago even maybe even during the dinosaur age and we just wouldn't know there'd be no records of it if there was no human civilization when aliens came down then perhaps they thought well this ain't worth checking out Let's bounce. We don't need to be here. The Earth is old. The universe is even older. The chances that somebody came across our little blue rock are very high, given the history and the time of existence. Just because they didn't come when we were around doesn't mean they've never been here. And it doesn't mean they're not here now, maybe just watching. There have been way too many reports of UFOs, and extraterrestrial sightings to dismiss it completely. Is every single sighting valid? No. Are some? Absolutely. We just don't know. And that's the fun part about aliens. My name is Casey, and thank you for listening to the Ominous Origins podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. That allows reviews. Any five-star reviews that I see, I will read out on the show. We had one last week. We didn't get one this week, but that's okay. All reviews are appreciated. If you want to follow me on social media, you can absolutely do that. You can follow on Twitter at Horror Shots Prod, as in production. On Instagram at Omnus Origins Pod, Facebook slash HorrorShots. And if you do want to support the show financially, you can do so by hitting up my Redbubble store and picking up some merch. I know, I know Redbubble, but it seems to be the easiest one to upload and just kind of do whatever you want with. And you can find that link in the description. So, until next week.